Drink Wild Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog for sports odds. Free casino games making play at Bodog.net. Wanda J-Pad here with you. Another edition of the off-season pods. And boy, it's off-season today. Not a whole lot happening around the league unless you're an Ottawa Senators fan, J-Pad, as they've got themselves a new owner. However, at one of your places of uh, business, where of employment, that is, over at the Hockey News, they got their final draft rankings out today. And I know we batted this around on the podcast yesterday, some names that were uh, we were talking about. But it seems like all these lists are differing right now uh, Out when you get outside of the top four or so. And Oliver Moore ranked at 11th on the Hockey News list. Do you know anything about Oliver Moore? I know he's a center and he's uh, an American. What else can you tell us? Yeah, one of the best skaters in the draft, like a truly elite skater. And I think that's what has him, you know, pegged to go in, I would certainly say the top 15. Because you're right, the volatility around this draft is wild. And I think that part is exciting now two weeks out. I mean, we are tomorrow is two weeks from uh, the opening round of the draft. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, Oliver Moore is on everybody's list. It's just a question of who's got him where. Uh, I think the Craig Button, we talked about the latest Craigslist, had him at 16, I think. So, um, But Oliver Moore played for the U.S. National Development Team program, as so many guys uh, have in recent years that have been high draft picks. Uh, high scoring, left shot, center. He's going to the University of Minnesota, one of the, uh, usually a powerhouse in NCAA hockey. But this guy's calling card is his skating. Like, it's his separator, uh, you know, put up. Good numbers, as you would expect a high draft prospect would. So I'm not surprised to see that he is in that neighborhood for the hockey news. And certainly, uh, you know, as I've been looking and watching and reading here, you know, that's a name that continues to come up in and around that area where the Canucks are slotted to pick. And I'm careful to say slotted because, uh, again, it's quite possible that they move off that 11th overall selection. Whatever the case, uh, you know, if they ended up with Oliver Moore, sounds like the kind of guy that plays you know, the modern game where speed is everything, but this guy's got the skill to go along with, you know, it's not just one-dimensional straight line speed. This guy's got the skill to go along with it. And he plays a premium position of center ice. You'd love it if he was a right shot center. Is it too late to ask him to change? Probably. Uh, Probably, yeah. (laughs) Oliver, we're going to pick you, but we've just got this small request. (laughs) We can only order your right shot sticks, unfortunately. So just spend the summer, work on it. You'll get it. Exactly. Uh, What I like about him is um, in his two seasons with the U.S. National Development Team, the point totals are real good. Like usually that first year when you're 16, 17, you get in there, you know, it takes you a while to sort of find your footing, but 26 points in 32 games that first year and then 25 in 23 last year. So the guy's a point producer. Love to hear about the speed. Didn't know about that. So if you are a Canucks fan, that is definitely checking some boxes. The fact that he's a center, I think, checks one as well. The right shot, nah, we can deal with that, I think, but... uh, Maybe, you know, a guy that the Canucks could be looking at. I know that we circled, you know, what they what they need. I still think it's a defenseman if they're going to pick at 11th. But when you look at that list, too, for the hockey news, you talk about the volatility. Like, Axel Sandin-Pelica, was he not in the top 10 on Craigslist, I believe? Like, uh, the much lower. Craig out of five. That's right. He's 14 on this list here. So you can see that the the swings are going to be huge when it comes to outside of that, you know, top four guys, top five guys. Maybe you throw a, a name like Will Smith in there as well, but uh, going to be plenty of options for the Canucks. I wonder if we polled the people and we, maybe we should do this as well. You know, ask them what, what should they do? Like, do you want them to try to move it for a piece that, you know, can help now? 
or do you want him to make this selection? And I, I wonder what it'll come in at because you know some people might look at this roster that the Canucks have right now, and and the fact that you, know, you got Elias Pettersson who's who wants to win now. He told you that when he signed that last contract. You know, maybe perhaps people are sitting there thinking, you know what? Maybe we should move this. I'd love to see what the fans think. Well, and I also think too, and you know, the old hockey axiom about best player available, and that's fine. But this team has, you know, specific needs and we know it. I think everybody knows it. The other thing, and, you know, I think it's a valid point that you bring up there as part of this pitch to Elias Pettersson, like it is a question of like, how are you going to surround Elias Pettersson? Because clearly the supporting cast isn't good enough, hasn't been good enough. And does that change the Canucks draft thinking in any way about, you know, who is closer to being NHL ready? If you're trying to sell Elias Pettersson that, hey, we've got this wave of elite talent coming, whoever they pick with this year's pick, if they hold 11 and use it, like that's going to probably be their top prospect with all due respect to Lekaramaki or Archer Silovs. You know, if you're getting a guy at 11, should be highly skilled, whatever position he plays. But I wonder if any of the thinking goes into like whoever they select, they've got to be able to include that name on this PowerPoint presentation that they're going to make to Elias Pettersson and his camp about, you know, shifting gears here and getting this thing moving in the right direction. And, you know, rather than taking a guy who's going to be three or four years away, you'd like to think, you know, when we see more and more of this now, the guys that are taken in the top 15 of the draft class, you know, within two years, a lot of those players are making an impact at the National Hockey League level. And it sort of feels like if the Canucks do hold on to the 11th pick, whoever they select, like that's a road that this guy's going to have to travel because they're going to need an injection of better players to surround Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes to to make this thing start, you know, grabbing some traction that uh, they so desperately need. This might be a tough question for you to answer, but like, where do you see LeCaramaki after next season? Like, do, does he have to be a Vancouver Canuck after next season? I would say no. Um, he's still remarkably young, right? Like we've established the fact that, you know, all of this coming season will be a 19 year old, um, over in Sweden. There's an adjustment, not just in, you know, I mean, moving away from home, a new country and all that kind of stuff, but also North American ice. I, I think for his sake, the trajectory would probably be, you know, have a really good year in the SHL maybe a year in Abbotsford. Maybe you start in Abbotsford and earn a call-up if everything continues to, you know, go smoothly for him. But, you know, this is a guy that's got to fill out. I think he's going to have to adjust to life uh, over in North America. So, you know, I wouldn't put so much pressure on him being in the NHL a a year from now. Uh, And then I look back and, you know, Vasily Podkolzin, like, you know, might he have benefited from an entire season in the American Hockey League after his time in the KHL, although his rookie season was fine. I mean, his rookie season at the NHL level looked fine. It was this past year that uh, was the step back. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a an absolute must that Jonathan LeCaramacchi is playing in the NHL uh, in the fall of, what would that be, 2024, I guess. Um, but at the same time, like, you don't want to be waiting too much longer. I mean, this is a team that needs... Uh, an influx of good players, and he is certainly among the, the best prospects that they've got. Well, and going back to Elias Pettersson there as well, because he's waiting now. Like, this is a guy that was a, a first-round pick for you, and you want him to step in, but got to take some time. So, yeah, everything sort of tracks back, it seems like, 
uh, to PD. And it's going to be an interesting negotiation this summer. And from what we heard from his agent as well, like they're going to take their time with this. And I think Canuck fans, I don't say you should be worried, but there should be a bit of concern there on what the next uh, contract will look like for Elias Patterson. I'm really interested in this draft. If the Canucks were to move off 11 and let's say they drop down into late teens, Mm -hmm. there are so many guys with Vancouver and British Columbia connections that are going to be available. Um, And I know Drance wrote a big piece last week, a fascinating read about, uh, you know, it's not just Connor Bedard. It goes a lot deeper than that, obviously. And this group that all played together uh, in spring hockey a bunch of years ago. And of course, Macklin Celebrini, the presumptive first overall pick a year from now. Uh, But if you go deeper in the draft and if Zach Benson is available and the Canucks are on the clock. Like, do you pass up a, a Chilliwack kid who is, you know, one of the highest scorers in the Western Hockey League eligible for this draft? Now, you know, the hometown thing, they got burned by Jake Furtanen, obviously. And so I don't know that you necessarily have to have hometown kids in your stable. But Zach Benson looks like a can't-miss prospect. I know he's a little undersized, but everything else about this guy just screams National Hockey Leaguer. Uh, Samuel Hanzik of the Vancouver Giants apparently crushed it at the Combine. Like, you know, the fitness testing, this guy was one of the fittest players uh, there. And, you know, I don't think you're taking him at 11, but if they drop down to 20, he might be gone. Um, You know, and I still think it's so long overdue for the Vancouver Giants or Vancouver Canucks to draft and develop somebody from the Vancouver Giant organization. And I know a guy like Kevin Connaughton played for the Giants and was drafted by the Canucks, but he wasn't drafted out of the Vancouver Giants program. Uh, Andrew Crystal of Kelowna, 95 points in 54 games. Vancouver guy, played for Kelowna in the Western Hockey League, was tied for sixth in league scoring, and he he missed a bunch of games with injuries. So, you know, I'll be fascinated to see where he goes. Riley Height out of the Prince George Cougar organization was tied for fourth in Western Hockey League scoring. He was tied with Connor Bedard for assists. In the Western Hockey League, it's just that Bedard scored way more goals than he did, but Riley Height is a guy that, uh, again, I've seen him sort of all over the map. We talked about Matthew Wood uh, out in Nanaimo. So this is fascinating. Like This is a really cool draft this year for BC area, particularly Vancouver guys uh, in the National Hockey League. Drafted, of course, next year with Celebrini as well. So the golden era, perhaps, yeah, perhaps of yeah. uh, Vancouver and and you know, Western Canadian prospects in an NHL draft. Well, to go back to back first overall as well would just be incredible. Yeah. And and Connor Bedard projects to be, you know, next level NHL player as well, right? Uh, see what Celebrini can be as well. Zach Benson's eighth on that hockey news list. So might be a stretch to be able to get Zach Benson. I've seen him very low on a lot of lists, but yeah, number eight on the hockey news list. Wonder where Michael Andlauer was on the Sens ownership list, at least amongst the fans. I know where it was with the NHL because they ended up picking his bid uh, to purchase the Ottawa Senators. Just under a billion dollars he paid for it. But we heard all these uh, celebrity names, Snoop Dogg, of course, Ryan Reynolds being involved and people getting really excited about that. But at the end of the day, the guy with the least amount of bells and whistles around him ends up winning the bid. But I think it's a good pick for the NHL, at least, because of his background. Yeah, I mean, this guy's hockey through and through has uh, owned and operated successfully an Ontario Hockey League team, an American Hockey League team, and now stepping up. Although, as you said, he's had ties and he's had an ownership stake in the Montreal Canadiens, and that's probably what put him over the top in the eyes of the NHL, is that they've already done their due diligence, that this is a guy that 
they know. And, uh, you know, I'll trust that they've done the background check and that, uh, you know, the trucking business is uh, as lucrative as it appears to be because that's where he and his family have made their money. Um, yeah, you know, look, this is a Canucks podcast. So, I mean, both of us follow the NHL, obviously, as do most of our listeners. You know, I don't think there's a direct impact anytime a, a new ownership group comes in other than, uh, you know, the Ottawa Senators are a bit of a distressed asset. You know, this aging Canadian Tire Center out in the burbs and so much talk about the new rink in downtown Ottawa and, you know, what will that do to breathe new life into the franchise? And then I guess the question is, uh, you know, is this guy willing to spend? Like he spent, he stepped up to spend to uh, buy the hockey club, but will he continue, you know, you've got to now operate the hockey club and that takes some significant uh, capital investment as well. Um, and so, you know, we, we've watched the Vancouver Canucks over the last decade try and cut some corners. And how's that worked out for them? I would suggest not particularly well. So if you get another owner that comes in and runs things the right way, you know, does that put more pressure on an ownership group in Vancouver to look internally at the way that they've operated here. And we know, look, the Aquilinis have been willing to spend to the cap. That's fine. That's part of doing business at the National Hockey League level. But we've also seen that, uh, you know, the search for a practice facility, like that story's gone on forever and it's no closer to a conclusion. We know that there were renovations at Rogers Arena last year that uh, took way too long and, uh, you know, forced them out of their building for you know, much of the preseason other than the home games. And, and uh, you know, so uh, that's why I say, like, I don't know that a new owner in Ottawa necessarily has a direct impact on what goes on, but if a new owner comes into the National Hockey League and does all things the right the way, like he's inheriting or acquiring, not inheriting, uh, he's acquiring, you know, a team that has a lot of really nice pieces. Like, you know, just take the cities and the buildings and everything else out of the equation I think it is a fair ask. Like, which team do you like the trajectory of better right here, right now? The Vancouver Canucks or the Ottawa Senators? Pretty sure that was a poll question during the season at some point when Ottawa passed through. Can't remember if it was us or others, but it was definitely asked. The Canucks have a better goaltender in Thatcher Demko, and that's been a problem for the Sens. They've got to stabilize their goaltending position, but they don't have a Quinn Hughes, but they've got Thomas Shabbat. Uh, they've got Jake Sanderson. Vegas Golden Knights are perhaps going to win a Stanley Cup with Aiden Hill. And you just mentioned two really good defensemen there. Yep. Like, so, you know, the Sens are ahead of the curve in that regard. Like, Well, they may, they may be ahead of the Canucks in, in terms yes, of the quality like, of depth they've yeah. got. But yeah. they still have a lot of work to do. And, and you know, they're not at an NH or Stanley Cup level. But, but up front, you look at the group of talent that they have assembled and where it is in its age curve right now. You know, Stutzla is a star already. Brady Kachuk is right there with him. Uh, you know, let's see what they do with the Brinkett. And they're obviously going to be able to to get something in return there. It may not be uh, the value that they're hoping, because we know that, uh, just look at the Canucks, it's been tough to, to move wingers with, uh, you know, big contracts. Um, not that he's got... Uh, you know, he doesn't have term, but he's been I mean, looking for that QO is big ridiculous. money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but then they've got a nice sort of second layer as well. Uh, Josh Norris when he's healthy, Shane Pinto, Drake Batherson. You know, the, like there's a lot of, and they're going to have another, you know, another high pick this time around. If I'm the new owner of the Ottawa Senators, like I'd be pretty excited about uh, the product that that team's going to be able to put on the ice. Now, 
you know, there's a lot of speculation around what they're going to do. You know, is Pierre Dorian safe? Is DJ Smith safe? New owner. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, he came in and had some ideas. And as you said, you know, this guy isn't coming from the outside like a lot of owners do. He seems to get it when it comes to hockey. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, he'll have some ideas about uh, how he wants to move forward with that hockey club. And the fact that he's not coming from a land development background as well, that, that seemed to be the big play for a lot of these uh, potential owners of people that wanted to get in there to be able to, you know, develop that land. And, but he's, it seems very hockey focused. So that's what I like about it, at least from what I've read uh, with Michael Andlauer. If the, Ottawa Senators are worth a billion dollars. What are the Vancouver Canucks worth? Yeah, uh, more than that, I suppose. I don't know how much more, but uh, yeah. I mean, look at uh, the city they live in, or the city they play in, obviously. You know, we've talked about Rogers Arena. It's in reasonable shape, but the footprint, like there's no real room for expansion, and it's starting to show some age somewhere, and that's all included in the valuation of, you know, the organization, but... You know, if people, anytime we talk ownership, you can hear the people screaming, I wish there was new owners here. It's not happening. Like, and, They're not selling. Yeah, like this is. They're not selling. They've <laughs> made the play at Rogers Arena and the towers that have gone up around it and the real estate development there. And and it's and it's not losing money. It's just going to, you know, it's it's not depreciating. That's for sure. Right? So, yeah, like if you're the Aquilinis, it's a good business venture for them. For sure. But what, a mil- billion and a half, maybe? You know, perhaps. But at the same time, too, it's, it's a moot point because it doesn't matter. They're not selling anytime soon. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. Always ask the people for your Ask JPAC questions, and we got a few good ones in. This one I dug out of the GoGoat Sports inbox, and uh, forgive me for being late on this, because we did talk about this, I believe it was last week. This is from Michael on the Island, and he wants to know, can raw talent overcome bad development? If Vancouver had drafted Cole Caulfield and Montreal had drafted Vasily Podkolzin, do you think we would have been talking about Pods' new contract and Caulfield still being in the AHL? Uh, totally different styles of players. Uh, Cole Caulfield's been blessed with a skill that not a lot of guys have, and that is just being a ruthless finisher uh, at every level. That's not the game Vasily Podkolzin plays. So, um, you know, if Vasily Podkolzin had gone to Montreal and been put in the situations that Caulfield had, chances are he wasn't going to score as many goals. Like, that's, you know, he brings other elements to his game. Now, we saw in his rookie season that he's got a hell of a shot. I wanted to see more of it. Last year, and quite frankly, we didn't, and I don't know if that speaks to confidence, uh, the confidence that he was lacking, but I I don't think it's as simple as just swapping the players now and saying, you know, would we be talking about Vasily Podkolzin being a potential 40-goal scorer 
uh, at the NHL level. I don't think that's his game. I, I think, you know, in my books, I, I want to believe that Vasily Podgolzin is a 10th overall selection can, you know, could give you 25 goals and, I don't know, maybe 60 points at sort of the high end, but would also become one of the Canucks' top penalty killers to be a late game, you know, shutdown guy, a guy that wins every one of his battles and turns pucks over for, for his teammates and all those types of things that, you know, those aren't expectations on Cole Caulfield. Like nobody's expecting Cole Caulfield to get in and be an absolute forechecking beast. Just that's not his game. His game is put him with somebody that gets him the puck and look out uh, because he just doesn't miss. And so, um, you know, as far as raw talent and player development, uh, you know, that's why like, I, you know, we've spent a few shows here in the offseason talking about Pod Coles and, and what went wrong. And, you know, like, I don't want to give up on the guy. Like, I, I don't. Because I go back to that rookie season, and especially late in the season, I know the games didn't mean an awful lot, but remember Horvat got hurt, and uh, there were other guys, and he got an opportunity to play in the top six and didn't look out of place. And, uh, again, has a shot that can beat goaltenders that, you know, like, I, I want to see more. I need to see more of that from Vasily Podkolzin. So, uh, you know, it sounds like he's sticking around Vancouver here in the offseason. I think that's good. I need to sort of understand, I guess, at training camp, like, where are they going to put him? What kind of opportunity is he going to earn for himself? And ultimately, you know, will we look back and just say, hey, last year was sort of a perfect storm of things that went wrong? And, you know, we're going to see more of the guy that we saw in his rookie season. You know, the one thing I'll cut Vasily Podkolzman a little bit of slack on is, look, he came in as a rookie, started under Travis Green, then Bruce Boudreau, uh, now Rick Tockett. But beyond that, you know, went down and played those playoff games at the tail end of last season at the AHL level under Trent Cull, and this year under Jeremy Cull, and that's five different head coaches at two levels in his first two years in North America. Like, that's a lot of voices and a lot of messaging and probably a lot of mixed messaging. So, you know, I hope that some of the noise uh, that was in his ears just is a thing of the past now and he can start to move forward. Because I still think there's a hockey player there that can really be a part of what the Canucks are trying to put together. But in the same breath, like, they need that guy. They can't afford to whiff on yet another top 10 pick in this sort of you know, the era that includes Jake Furtan and, and, and Ole Levy. Uh, Andy wants to know, uh, thoughts on the Canucks, on why the Canucks would want to move on from Burroughs and or Juleson. Wouldn't this just result in the team signing a couple of depth defensemen uh, as UFAs anyway? Not necessarily. And we covered this a little bit last week about, you know, is the door open there for Luke Shen? But Luke Shen may answer that question if he signs in Toronto. Uh, you know, the Canucks may be clearing a path, uh, you know, that sort of those guys that are in their late, mid to late 20s, like Burroughs and, and Juleson, you know, if they don't see a lot of upside there, that maybe they want to clear a path for a guy like Jet Wu to actually have the opportunity to play some NHL games. You know, maybe they're higher on Philip Johansson than a lot of people are. Um, now, Johansson certainly doesn't address the toughness issue. Jet Wu plays a stouter, physical kind of game. Um, but... You know, and then there's Cole McWard as well on the right side, but I, I'm pretty clear on the record that I just think he's so young coming out after his second year of college that he probably could really benefit from a full year playing a lot in the American Hockey League. So, you know, I, I just think at some point maybe it's a little bit of roster churn. Uh, I, I'm surprised that there hasn't been some contact with either one of those guys. 
and I I think I said this last week, of the two, and as much as I respect Kyle Burroughs for being the ultimate teammate and sticking up and knowing his role and all that kind of stuff, I, I thought there might be even more value in Noah Juleson just because he played that veteran role down on the farm. They seemed to love him there. They played him a lot. And then when he got the call, you know, it didn't look out of place in the games that he played for the Vancouver Canucks. So there was sort of the versatility of being the mentor and a guy that's been around the block and can lead by example and culture setting and all that kind of stuff at the AHL level. Um, and then if you need him, you can make the call and he can step in and play for you. But uh, two weeks to go before these guys become unrestricted free agents. It certainly doesn't sound like there's been an awful lot of chat. We, you know, we haven't had it confirmed by the Canucks yet. I, th- I kind of thought we might hear... Uh, on Ethan Bear, and, and if he is going the surgical route, um, you know, so perhaps that's still being considered and a final decision hasn't been made. But, you know, I thought if we got a little bit of clarity on Ethan Bear and a recovery time and all that, that maybe they would double back on one of or both uh, Juleson and Burroughs. When do they have to sign the qualifying offers for these guys? Yeah, I mean, it's the final week of uh, of June, so... Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, okay. All right, well, this one, listen, I think this might be offside for us in terms of I thought we might have put this to rest. But they did mention a team here, so I'll bring it to you. What could a realistic trade for Miller look like to... He's got Pittsburgh here. This is from our buddy DreamBA on Twitter. Pittsburgh, we've batted around before. It says, or Carolina. Now, Carolina's got a lot of cap space, and I'm looking at their you know the what they have in terms of their roster... I don't see a trade here that really that would interest Carolina for for JT Miller. Not only that, like, why would Carolina trade for JT Miller? Well, the why part is because they come up short every year in the playoffs, and not that he is this like you know absolute playoff beast, but he was good in the bubble. But when you look at their lineup, they don't really have a guy at the top of their lineup that plays a ton like he does now. Svechnikov was hurt in these playoffs. I mean, Svechnikov is a big body that can be a physical guy. Uh, What I find fascinating, though, is when you look at the cap structure of the Carolina Hurricanes, not only do they have a lot of cap room to spend, but they have so much flexibility in that Svechnikov and Jesperi Kotkaniemi are the only guys, only forwards, that they are committed to long-term. Like, Sebastian Ajo is going into the last year of his contract. Tuevo Teravainen into the final year of his contract. Martin Natchez, final year of his contract. He'll become an un- or a restricted free agent with Arbright's uh, a year from now. But Jordan Martinuk into the final year of his deal. Uh, Seth Jarvis is getting a new contract after this year. Uh, Stefan Nason, who played a fairly prominent role for them in the playoffs. He's an unrestricted. Like, so they're going, you know, they can return pretty much the same roster that they had that was really good. I mean, finished second in the overall standings this year, but ultimately fell short uh, in the playoffs. But I just wonder if they feel, and, you know, this is spitballing completely, but just back to your question about why, um, you know, they've got a lot of skill guys, but maybe they feel or they will get around to the realization that, yeah, you know, they could use a little bit more grit, a little bit more uh, sandpaper in their lineup. And certainly JT Miller, when he's on his game, you know, he can deliver that kind of stuff along with uh, a fair bit of offense. Uh, Aho is their highest paid forward at $8.4 bucks, And again, this is the final year of his contract. And then there's a considerable drop-off. Tuevo Teravainen, I, I guess Sveshnikov yeah, is... He's uh, the second highest, 7.75. Seven, 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 yeah, seven, seven, you know, like they could take on a JT Miller deal. And I, I, I guess if the organization got around to the realization that, hey, you know, we've got to beef up up front a little bit. 
you know, we can go into the unrestricted market, but, you know, you're going to overspend there. You know, JT Miller is cost controlled. Like, you know what you're getting, you know the kind of player you're getting, and you know exactly the dollar figure in the term. Uh, it may not be favorable. I mean, that's not the kind of business that Carolina generally has conducted. But to your point about, like, what would, like, I don't know. I don't know what a trade would look like because if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you know, you'd be getting out from under an $8 million cap hit for seven years. But you're not going to give JT Miller away. No, and not only that, you'd have to fill that position. They're not going to make the trade for Sebastian Ajo, but he's going to be under, like he's going to need a massive contract a year from now. And if you're the Vancouver Canucks, like you're not in a position to, even if you moved Miller, I mean, it would sort of have to be dollar in, dollar out, just given their cap situation. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Would you do Kotkaniemi? You think they would do that as well? He's probably got some... No, he doesn't have any trade protection. Yeah, I mean, you know, they offer-sheeted him and and 22 years of age. Like, I think they see him as, you know, along with Sveshnikov and and Nachash, Ajo's at 25. Like, I think those are their guys that they want to continue to build around. But can we learn from the Vegas Golden Knights? You know, I I guess the one thing with Carolina is if you're the Canucks and you need help defensively, like, they've got a surplus and they've got two guys in Brady Shea and Brett Pesci that are going to need new contracts after this season, you know, would either one of those guys, like they're in the same age range as JT Miller. Uh, you know, we've talked about this, like reallocating the cap space for the Vancouver Canucks. Like that's one way that even if you can't get out from under some of these deals, can you reallocate some of the money that you've spent at various positions? But we also know that after the trade of Horvat, you know, the Canucks really have no options but to use JT Miller as a center now. And if you're talking about trading him, then in theory, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to trade a center for a defenseman because now you have this massive gap uh, at center ice. So again, there's so much around the Vancouver Canucks that just makes it difficult for this organization to get its cap in, in order and also to improve this hockey club. I ask about the Vegas Golden Knights because can, can teams learn from them? Because they, they're quick to pull a trigger, right? This guy's not working out. All right, let's move him. And they've done it. We've seen it. Like they, they play the game, like it's like a video game almost for them. But if you're Carolina, like you kind of got to win now, right? Yep. And you might have to make some tough decisions and you might have to, you know, take on someone like JT Miller for short-term success and maybe a bit of long-term pain in terms of the back end of that contract, right? And it's an interesting trade partner and maybe perhaps there is something there with the Carolina Hurricanes, but uh, you know, we'll be covering it as we move along here in the offseason. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Required Vancouver is presented by Bodog. Free casino games, poker tips, sports odds. It's time to play. It's almost time to play game five of the Stanley Cup final as the Vegas Golden Knights look to hoist the Stanley Cup for the first time. It'll be in the building, J-Pat, tonight in Las Vegas, uh, facing off against the Panthers. Of course, VGK up 3-1 in the series. Bill Foley, the owner of the Golden Knights, said back in 2016, going to take six years to win a Stanley Cup. 
it could come to fruition tonight. And they're definitely in the driver's seat when it comes to this series right now. But if you're, you know, a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have not even been to a cup final since 1967, you're probably throwing up in your mouth when you not only hear a statement like that and, you know, potentially going to come true here, but also the fact that the Golden Knights have already been to two cup finals. Two! Since they've been in the league. It's it's absolutely ridiculous, but at the same time, you kind of have to tip your cap to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm in the camp that sits back and applauds them. Like, this idea that they were given everything. Like, all the other managers were asleep at the wheel. I mean, the Riley Smith and Jonathan Marsh just so is the best example, but... You know, there are others out there as well. And I think teams overthought it and valued their own guys. Uh, you know, we see that way too much. The teams just, there's too much loyalty and too much value placed on the players they've got. Um, you know, again, it's remarkable that the Canucks got through a pair of expansion drafts losing Lucas Pisa and Cole Lind. You know, when a team like Florida lost Marcheseau and Riley Smith. But yeah, like the first year was insane like to get to the Stanley Cup final in their inaugural season but I don't think anybody can be shocked that they're back here in year six I mean they've been building to this and they've added to it and they've you know added incredible players in Petrangelo and Stone and Eichel and you know the trade they made for Barbashev at the deadline like other teams could have stepped up and got Ivan Barbashev but that was a nice addition and you know so you can't be moaning and complaining about that that was just a standard hockey you know, rental deal, and they decided that Barbashev was the right fit for them, and he's turned out to be a, a really nice piece there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I expect that they'll get it done. You know, there's speculation around Florida that Matthew Kachuk either won't play in Game 5, or if he does, uh, is going to be a shell of himself that he's trying to play through something significant. Took that massive hit from Keegan Colasar, and, you know, I, I wonder if the Colasar hit was just sort of the topper on wear and tear as much as he gives you know he's a target too right like you know teams know they have to play Matthew Kachuk hard and so the Boston Bruins tried to do it the Toronto Maple Leafs Carolina Hurricanes now uh the Vegas Golden Knights and you just wonder if it's an accumulation of the attention and the uh the battle scars essentially that have built up over this playoff run so if they don't have Kachuk I don't want to say they don't have any chance but I mean massive just a massive blow so let's see if he's available to go but just the fact that he's nowhere close to being himself uh, plays right into Vegas's hand. I'm making a prediction that there's going to be a party in Vegas tonight. You did say uh, VGK in five. But my prediction will stand even if they lose. There'll be a party in Vegas tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. there's always so, a party in Vegas. Uh, yeah, there's a party yeah. happening right now in Vegas. You think we can get down there? Uh, the money's moving, though, and maybe that's because of this uh, speculation that maybe Kachuk might not play tonight. Uh, Panthers have now gone to plus 165. It was plus 150 yesterday, and that's where I was headed. I don't feel confident about it. I just want to be right with my prediction that it'll go six games. VGK at minus 195 on Bodog right now. So, yeah, not a lot of people feeling uh, good about the Cats tonight, and I don't think I feel very good about them, especially if Matthew Kachuk is not in the lineup. As always, our playoff talk, Stanley Cup final talk, is presented by Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. Yeah, and I'm wondering if uh, Peter Laviolette is going to contact Jason Hominick because he's going to be looking for a new home in the New York area. I don't know if Jason, yeah, he probably would. He'd probably be able to uh, hook Peter Laviolette up. Uh, Rangers Absolutely. apparently have made the, the announcement now that Peter Laviolette, the new head coach there, I think that fills all the vacancies because Ryan Huska went into Calgary. 
Uh, yesterday that was confirmed, so uh, the Rangers going with the veteran Peter Laviolette, his sixth stop as an NHL head coach. But back to Jason Hominuk, our mortgage man. Uh, if you're in the market, uh, first-time buyer, if you've been through this a few times and you're looking for a, a new home or your mortgage is up for renewal, you want to reach out to Jason Hominick. 30 years in the industry. I think he's got as much experience as Peter Laviolette does, quite frankly. Uh, and he can help you, and he wants to help you. And that's why we talk about Jason uh, on each and every Rink-Wide broadcast. So uh, check him out. Uh, Jason.Mortgage is the website. All of his information is there, including a contact number, and it all starts with a call. So uh, make that phone call help yourself if uh, you are looking for a mortgage. Yeah, 37th head coach in franchise history for the Rangers. A little bit of breaking news here. Hey, before we go, before we go, quick game. Can you can you name all of the stops for Peter Laviolette as a head coach in the NHL? Uh, Carolina, Nashville, Philadelphia, New York now. Did I say Washington? Washington. You did, Brown, yeah. Am I What am I missing? The Islanders, his first ah, gig. I, I, that was just it? The Islanders? Pretty good. Yeah, so six. six. This is his sixth opportunity. Not too bad. All yep, right. No, you did well. That was a good edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show. Rink-wide.